Thanks for tuning in to this podcast on kpov.org. The following conversation with Ranger Randy and Dr. Danielle McKay, geologist and instructor at the University of Oregon, aired in 2018 on the Sasquatch Hideaway as a series on KPOV Radio, 88.9 FM, Bend, Oregon. In this segment, questions like, what is the Crooked River Caldera? And how was Fort Rock formed? Will be answered. The Crooked River Caldera. Mm-hmm. So... My understanding was only discovered about 10 years ago? That's right. Um, It was discovered as a result of a groundwater survey in the Prineville area. So that involves drilling a bunch of wells and looking at the rock types that come up Mm -hmm. from those wells. And um, in some of those, the rock type was very similar to what is it, Smith Rock. And that's a welded tuff. And a welded tuff is a rock that's produced during a highly explosive eruption. So if you have a lot of what looks like the same welded tuff in a lot of different places in an area, um, then that suggests there might be a large caldera because large calderas are also formed during highly explosive eruptions. That's the project that kind of spurred the further, more extensive mapping project where the Crooked River caldera was really mapped and identified. Do they have an age on it? or? It's about uh, 29 and a half million years old. So what would have caused a caldera there, because it's not on a mountain or anything. Right, so calderas of that size, these are very large calderas, much larger than uh, the caldera at Newberry Volcano or the caldera at Crater Lake. Crater Lake isn't really a crater, it's a caldera. (laughs) So this Crooked River caldera is on a much larger scale, and it's similar in size. It's a little smaller, but it's similar in size to some of the calderas in the Yellowstone area and uh, across the Snake River Plain. So those are all very large calderas. They have been called super volcanoes uh, because the eruptions that produce those calderas are so large. And we know in the Yellowstone area, or we think we know in the Yellowstone area, that it's a hot spot that is producing those calderas. It has produced those calderas in the past. So when the Crooked River caldera was identified and it was mapped, then that was the next question. What caused it? Uh, was there a hot spot in central Oregon 29 and a half million years ago? And since the time of the identification of the Crooked River caldera at about 2009, I think, there's been a lot of study of that. And it looks like that could potentially be the case. Perhaps the Yellowstone hotspot, which is currently under the Yellowstone area, perhaps 30 million years ago, it was under central Oregon. So that's an area of active, ongoing research. Are there other calderas between here and Yellowstone? There are, yeah. There's a whole series of calderas um, between southeastern Oregon and Yellowstone, and those are all fairly agreed upon to be a a result of the Yellowstone hotspot. Then between southeastern Oregon and here, central Oregon, there are big calderas, but that is really kind of a little more current and ongoing research is, are those calderas a result of the Yellowstone hotspot? And it looks like potentially they could be, but that's ongoing science. (laughs) So what did they think Smith Rock was before they discovered it was part of this caldera? Um, Well, this actually gets back a little bit to another um, part of your question from a few few minutes ago, which is there is no big volcano there or no big mountain. And that's another feature uh, of these very large calderas. Before the eruption, there wasn't a giant volcano that collapsed to form the volcano or the caldera. So you couldn't have looked at this landscape and pointed to a mountain 
a huge mountain <laughs> and instead it's a big sort of broad uplifted area that does create mountainous topography so if you think of the Yellowstone region now there is no one volcano in the Yellowstone region but there's mountainous topography and the mountainous topography is produced by at depth there's magma and the magma is hot and that's heating the rocks above it and hot rocks expand so those layers of rock expand or are uplifted and that creates a mountain range so here in central oregon prior to the eruption of the crooked river caldera probably there was a mountain range in that region in the prineville region and it wasn't a volcano um, instead it was it was probably a mountain range that was higher topography because the rock itself was heated from below and had expanded and was uplifted. Um, so we don't know exactly what things looked like prior to that eruption, but it's, it's a, a good assumption that there was mountainous, sort of high elevation topography because to create an eruption of the size that created the Crooked River Caldera, you would need a very large magma chamber. And if you had a very large magma chamber or multiple magma chambers, that would supply a lot of heat to the region and the heat would cause the area to, to uplift. The areas like Fort Rock, what, what were those? <laughs> yeah, so the areas like Fort Rock are, are much more recent. The Crooked River Caldera, we're kind of talking 29, 30 million years ago. We don't know how old Fort Rock is, um, but it's probably in the tens or hundreds of thousands of years rather than millions of years. And that region was a very large lake during the last ice age. So 14,000 years ago, 12,000 years ago, there were big glaciers in the Cascades. There was a big continental ice sheet covering much of Canada. So there was there were colder, cooler temperatures. There was a lot more precipitation in the form of rain and snow. So glaciers expanded worldwide. And there weren't any glaciers in the Fort Rock area, but there were big lakes because of this higher precipitation. And there are big basins throughout southeastern Oregon. And the Fort Rock region, the Christmas Valley region, is one of those basins. So if you have, have a lot more rain and snow, you have a lot more water in the area, then those basins can fill up with water and form large lakes. So we know there were large lakes in the area during the last ice age, and there were volcanic eruptions, much like the eruption that created Pilot Butte or Lava Butte, cinder cone eruptions. But if an eruption like that, that, that would have created a, a cinder cone, if that eruption occurs through water, then it's much more explosive because the magma coming up interacts with water from the lake or maybe with groundwater and that causes a steam explosion or a whole series of steam explosions. So these are called phreato magmatic eruptions. Phreato is steam and magma, magmatic is magma. So you have this highly explosive sort of steam eruption um, and that was because lava was coming up underneath this lake in the Christmas Valley area and it came through the lake water and had all these steam explosions and the result was Fort Rock. If there hadn't been a lake in the region, that probably would have formed a cinder cone. So Paisley Caves, that's in the same area. Yeah. I assume it's the same, it's just another tough ring or whatever those are. You know, I don't know that it actually is a tough ring. It does look like there were some interactions with water. The rock that make up the caves is very fractured. It's not just a regular lava flow, but there are some layers within it that do look a little bit more like there wasn't as much interaction with water. So I haven't really explored that area fully. I'm not sure that it was a fully developed tough ring. Um, I do think there was some interaction with water to create it, uh, but not to the same extent as Fort Rock. So they're dating the artifacts from there at 14,000 years. So that ring would have 
cave, whatever that is, had to have been created prior to that, obviously. Yeah, it's older, and again, we don't know the age exactly. Fort Rock is also older. We, we know that during the last ice age, you know, 14,000 years ago, there was water in that basin. But the last ice age was just one of many advances and retreats of glaciers. And so Fort Rock was probably created from an eruption during a lake that pre-existed the last version of that lake. So it wasn't just 14,000 years ago. It was, it was, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, perhaps 100,000 years ago. Those are kind of the age ranges that we have for Fort Rock. I know archaeology isn't your area, but <laughs> <laughs> why do you think Native Americans or whoever was there chose to go to that area? So during the time when people were living in those caves, of course the, the rock that makes up the caves is much older, but the caves themselves, we know there were people there 14,000 years ago based on this new um, archaeological evidence, and it would have been a fairly productive place. If, if you've been out to the Paisley Cave area or Summer Lake or Christmas Valley now, beautiful area, but it's very arid, very dry. But 14,000 years ago, there were lakes, temperatures were cooler than they are now, there was more precipitation, there would have been more riparian vegetation. There is a lot of wildlife in that area, but there would perhaps have been even more wildlife. It would have been a, a much more productive area in the terms that we kind of think of as productive. Um, so it probably wasn't an easy life, but it was probably a little easier than now when you go out and you just see a very dry, arid desert. It would have been different with these big lakes. Okay, so it wasn't like just one giant lake. There would have been some dry land. <laughs> yeah, there would have been some dry land, particularly at like Paisley Caves is a little elevated above uh, just slightly elevated above the basin that was occupied by Summer Lake. Um, so it would have been a lake shore. Um, it depends on, you know, kind of what the level of the water was at the time. So we've, been, we've talked about the Cascades and the South Sister. What is the status of the bulge? The bulge on South Sister, or as I like to call it, it's an uplifted area. In volcanology, when we talk about volcanoes, and particularly volcanoes that might erupt or that are showing signs of eruption, a bulge really refers to something that is coming up quite quickly in a localized area uh, and really indicates that the volcano is about to erupt immediately. And what's happening on South Sister isn't quite the same thing. It's a broad area something like 10 by 15 miles. So it's not localized on the volcano itself. It's on the west flank of the volcano. It's not at the summit or somewhere, you know, halfway up the side of the volcano. It's, it's really right around tree line on the west side of the volcano. If you know that area, it's where the Pacific Crest Trail comes through. And it's a, it's a broad area that instead of coming up at, for example, prior to the Mount St. Helens eruption, there was a bulge that was coming up at at feet per day. That's a, a very clear sign that the volcano is going to erupt. This area on South Sister, for a period of time of about six years, it was coming up at about an inch per year. Clearly an uplifted area, but not an indication that an eruption is about to occur. So the reason for that type of uplift is new magma has come up underneath the volcano or underneath the whole volcanic region and it's several miles below ground um, and it might have worked its way in between different layers of the rock so it's not necessarily you know a, a round magma chamber like we like to think of magma chambers it might actually be more of an elongate kind of pod 
of magma and it's heating up the rock above it and when rock heats it expands and so that causes this uplift on the surface but it's a relatively small uplift in terms of how high it was coming up and how quickly it was coming up and those those site types of, of activity at volcanoes are great indications for us that the volcanoes are still active and just because there's uplift that doesn't mean that the volcano is going to erupt but it is a really good sign that we should probably do some other type of monitoring on that volcano to figure out if it will erupt. So after the uplift was detected, seismometers were installed on South Sister. And seismometers are really great for giving us an indication prior to an eruption. So since the uplift was observed, we've been watching the volcano and watching the seismicity or the small earthquakes that occur on the volcano. Small earthquakes are normal on an active volcano like South Sister. They don't indicate that there's going to be an eruption unless they change to a very distinctive type of earthquake that is a sign of, of, of an imminent eruption. And if that happens, we will certainly hear about it because the U.S. Geological Survey um, has an office in Vancouver, Washington called the Cascade Volcano Observatory. And that's what they spend their time doing, is monitoring these volcanoes. And if there is any indication of, of an eruption at South Sister, they would give very clear warnings about that. But the bulge or the uplift is just this um, kind of normal activity that you would expect to see in an active volcanic area. And the Three Sisters region is definitely an active volcanic area. So there's no reason to be concerned about imminent Right. No reason to be concerned about an imminent eruption, but it is a reminder that we do live in a volcanic active area and, and these volcanoes that we kind of think of as being permanent in the landscape are actually very recent in the landscape in geologic time and that they could erupt again in the future and many of them will likely erupt again in the future. I hope you enjoyed this podcast on KPOV, your high desert community radio station. Go to kpov.org for more information and our program schedule. We value your feedback, so please send any comments or suggestions to podcast at kpov.org.